Hey, Tidbitters. Welcome to Audio Tidbits. I'm really happy that you decided to stop by today and spend a few minutes listening to whatever it is I'm going to say today. The important point I think I want to make up front is that I'm going to include a 5 minute and 40 second excerpt that relates to why we believe what we believe and whether what we believe has any solid relationship to reality. Think about that. Probably we believe hundreds of things. Some are very important, some are close to irrelevant, but nonetheless we believe. And do we stop and think about why we believe? No, we just believe. Now, if someone were to ask us, why do you believe that? We could probably come up with some explanation. We could retroactively create an explanation of why we believe what we believe. But is that the reason we believe? Probably not. The likelihood is that we believe it because we've always believed it. It's true because we think it's true. If it works for us, then it must be correct. If we look at the world, we look at the country, we look at our government, do any of us really understand what's going on? I suspect that the answer to that might be no. More specifically, do I understand what's going on? Generally, I think I don't. For example, Congress, the Senate in particular, had an apparent vote, if I understood what happened, about whether to debate voting rights. And half of them said okay, half of them said no. Why did they do that? It must be because, must be because of something they believe. I think the one group believes that voting rights are somehow being suppressed, that not everybody who needs to vote, wants to vote, should vote, is eligible to vote, gets to vote. And they think that the federal government should do something about that. The group that does not want to vote, not want to debate, has what is an equally interesting point of view. They believe that it's not an appropriate debate to have at the Senate level. They believe that voting rights are a state prerogative, that each state should decide who gets to vote, when they get to vote, how easy it is to vote, and on and on and on. They believe in what you might think of as states' rights. I do know that in some states, Ohio in particular, is what is called a home rule state. That means that anything is okay at the county level so long as it's not ruled out at the state level. So, you know, can you do this or that? The answer is yes, unless there is a state law, a state rule, a state regulation against it. So it's uh, not, it has to be 
legal to do it, the quest, the point is that it has to be illegal to do it, and that would prevent you from doing it. Other than that, you can do pretty much whatever you want to do. They feel kind of the same way about election rights at a federal level. Each state should be able to do pretty much whatever it wants to do. Now, does the federal government have some rules about elections? I think the answer to that is yes. There's something called the Voting Rights Bill, and I must frankly admit that I have no idea what that is all about. I suspect it lets minorities vote and make sure that they aren't prevented in some way from voting. But I don't know that for sure. Do you? I think the thing I'm getting around to is that beliefs that we have, little beliefs, big beliefs, are based on something other than a careful, thoughtful analysis. We just believe because it's easier to believe than not to believe. Again, I get back to the point. If it works for me, then it's probably okay. My view of the world, my view of government, my view of how things are, my view of what's right and wrong, since it works for me, I think it should work equally well for you. And therein lies the rub, of course, because you believe the same thing, but you believe it from your perspective. So what I would like for you to do, if you're interested, and if you're not, Skip ahead about six or minutes or so, and I have included a really interesting, fun kind of song from Kevin. So, uh, you know, that will kind of make your day. So, if you want to listen, fine. If not, skip ahead about six minutes, and you'll pick up with the rest of what we have to deal with today, what, what I have for you today. So, with that in mind, here we go. I am reluctantly considering the conclusion that much of what I have believed for as long as I have believed anything may represent far more hope than truth. Sure, I admit to taking it for granted that things actually are the way I have always thought they are, that my reality is valid and based on the true and factual, and that my sense of what's real is correct and axiomatic. Naive. Simple-minded. Perhaps dangerous. Indeed. But nonetheless. I believed. I take some comfort in knowing that a preference for belief over thoughtful consideration didn't just start with me. The Roman philosopher Seneca observed that every man prefers belief to the exercise of judgment. It's likely that the exercise part of exercising judgment is the showstopper for many, if not most of us. For me at least, it has been easier to relax and believe. Robert Brault got it right when he pointed out that an old belief is like an old shoe. We so value its comfort that we fail to notice the hole in it. To my surprise and disappointment, I am starting to notice cracks if not actual holes in some of my most trusted beliefs. The cause and solution may be as simple as E.D. Martin suggests, it is easier to believe than to doubt. Laziness. Indifference. Bertrand Russell says it's our inherent credulity. Man is a credulous animal, and must believe something, in the absence of good grounds for belief, he will be satisfied with bad ones. Perhaps I should add gullibility to lazy and naive. The picture is not looking good. 
the pragmatist in me is calling out for attention. He or perhaps she is arguing that belief is not the issue. The issue is whether my unique collection of notions and ideas about how things are, and how they work are serving me, furthering my interests. Admittedly, this is a rather pedestrian perspective, but if it works for me, I see little need to reason otherwise. If I may lean on Robert Brault again, sometimes you believe a thing that isn't true because in the world you wish to live in, it would be true. In the world I prefer, the way I arrange the pieces and parts, notions and ideas is reality, is worthy of belief. As self-centered, and self-serving as my pragmatic self prefers being, I suspect that I'm not alone with my pragmatism. And therein lies the problem, the crack in my carefully cultivated system of beliefs. If all of us adopt this me-first approach to life and living, we quickly find ourselves in a pseudo-Darwinian video game where only the most ruthless survive. Me has precedence over us, person has precedence over people, power has precedence over weakness, will has precedence over law, interests have precedence over values, and the winners take all. I am coming to understand that Lawrence Van Der Post has a point. Human beings are perhaps never more frightening than when they are convinced beyond doubt that they are right. It seems to me that our elected politicians are increasingly convinced beyond doubt that they are right. But the truly frightening element is that they also believe that anyone who disagrees with them is, along with being wrong, stupid, subversive, and un-American. Name-calling and finger-pointing have become the political coin of the day. Ezra Pound thought that what matters is not the idea a man holds, but the depth at which he holds it, and the I'm right, and everyone who disagrees is wrong approach to political discourse is deeply held. It would be easy to just chalk it up to politics, and the political game were it not for what I find to be a most disturbing theme. Jadinsky tells us that life will magnify what you choose to believe, and the political single-mindedness is definitely magnifying. Herbert Yeager takes the point a step further, man tends to treat all his opinions as principles, and unfortunately, poorly constructed and ill-considered ideas and reactions are elevating to the level of governing principles. I could make my list of action and inaction within our federal government that I think is wrong and ill-considered, as could you. I could point to this politician or that who I think is making things worse for all of us, as could you. That fact notwithstanding, I suspect we may agree that we are going through a time when there is less and less room for negotiation, diplomacy, compromise, and civil discussion. We might also agree that representation has taken a back seat to re-election, public service has taken a back seat to political popularity, and the rule of law has taken a back seat to whatever those in power can get away with. Of this I am sure, our government does not function the way I believed it does, and perhaps never did. I'm toying with the possibility that it is less a government of laws, and more a government for and by those with the most power, money and influence. May I conclude by simply repeating myself? I am reluctantly considering the conclusion that much of what I have believed for as long as I have believed anything may represent far more hope than truth. Sure, I admit to taking it for granted that things actually are the way I have always thought they are that my reality is valid and based on the true and factual, and that my sense of what's real is correct and axiomatic. Naive. Simple-minded. Perhaps dangerous. Indeed.
but nonetheless, I believed. Okay, there you go. We believe what we believe mostly because we believe it. It's just as simple as that. Now, does that mean that everything we believe is just because we believe it? No. Some things we've really thought through. We've carefully considered the pros and cons, the plus side and the minus side, and have come to what we think is a thoughtful conclusion. But there are very few of those things for me, and probably not so many of them for you. Mostly, we just go with what we've had in mind for a really long time, with little interest in changing things. So, anytime something comes up, we have a predetermined answer. We have a predetermined explanation. Most importantly, we have a predetermined position. So it doesn't make too much difference what the other person says, what their argument is, what their perspective is, what their point of view is. We're going to stick with what we believe. And the truth of the matter is, we think they should probably believe it too. What does that say about us? I don't know. More particularly, what does it say about me? I don't know. I guess it just means that I'm not as open-minded as I sometimes think I am. There you go. It's not that I am as open-minded as I believe I am. I'm probably much more narrow-minded, less open to the ideas and thoughts of others than I want to be than I think I am. Why? It's easy. I believe what I believe, and so do you. And probably the likelihood of our coming to some compromise, some negotiated middle point, some arrangement that includes both of our positions is pretty limited. If you have any doubt, just look at Congress, look at state government, look at your county government, look at your business organization wherever you work. People believe what they believe, and getting them to change their minds is certainly an uphill battle, assuming you want to take on the battle. Mostly, I think we just kind of shake our heads, shrug our shoulders, and move on. And the truth of the matter is, shame on us. Shame on me, anyway. <laughs> you can make your own judgment about that. In the meantime, do well, be well. And here's what I have for you from Kevin. Enjoy.
Music by Kevin McLeod.